I'm Abigail Martin. I'm Sam Fleming. History in the making. Rondo Leal by the goalkeeper's gloves. Nashville with their first home goal at Genius Club. And you're listening to Bleeding Blue on Penalty Box Radio. Run Henry. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He's to the end zone. Yes. Touchdown Titans. Derrick Henry just went... 60. <laughs> the Music City Sports Experience. Welcome back to Bleeding Blue, the Music City Sports Experience on Penalty Box Radio. I'm Abigail Martin with Sam Fleming, and we have a few topics to discuss tonight with John Hines and Company Extension, Coral's Thoughts, Nashville Soccer Club, and answer your questions. Sam, it's been a week since our first recording, so Welcome to episode two. We're finally here. I can't believe we're actually like moving on with this thing. Can't believe people Absolutely. are ready for this. Um, but I need to get your thoughts. Obviously, the Preds did their postseason wrap up. They had they had and announced the extension of head coach John Hines and company, as I'm going to call it. And we had heard some thoughts from general manager David Poyle about what he thinks not alone about Hines and the reasoning backing him up so loyally. I think he did and very passionately as well, but also took some accountability, which I can't say that I expected. So I'm going to gather my thoughts. I need to hear yours. Well, good to be back, Abigail. Happy to be moving along episode two. And a lot happened, like you said, in that time period um, and starting here with the John Hines situation and of course, fresh off our rants as well about the team and the state of the franchise. And, you know, one of the big things I talked about was I thought it was time for a new coach for the Nashville Predators. And it was kind of my hot take that that was going to be a potential thing for next season. But if we know David Poyle, he's a very loyal general manager and he has his guy. He's sticking with John Hines for at least another two seasons. And at first, first thought, it was very disappointing. Um, I, I look at what Carl Taylor had done with the Milwaukee Admirals, and I was really hoping there would be that um, opportunity for him to jump up. And then we also saw the Vegas Golden Knights fired Peter DeBoer not too, not too uh, long before that. And obviously, I wouldn't want DeBoer necessarily in a Nashville coaching spot. Um, he doesn't have the best reputation in the playoffs as we can see with good teams, whether it be the Sharks or the Golden Knights. But I'm 50-50 on this move now. And even though I more lean towards the side of I, I wanted change, I can understand, though, because John Hines, given the situation he was put in back in 2020, coming in with a team that had started out the season hot and lost a lot of momentum and couldn't seem to find it under Peter, Peter Laviolette. And keep in mind, a team that hadn't won three games in a row at that time since October, um, Hines really did a good job getting Nashville back into the mix. And he's done really well considering this team has moved away from a lot of high cap hit players or what would have been considered star players. And he's allowed some younger guys 
to really find their way in the lineup. I look at a guy like Tanner Janot, Yakov Trenin. It, it's good to see how these players have progressed in the lineup. But the 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 problem is is this the teams that he coaches, as we've seen, when it gets to playoff times, they just can't find that offense or fire on all cylinders. Um, they're great in the regular season. You know, we look at his his second half of the season when he joined Nashville in 2020, they started to make a climb back up into that playoff before the COVID year. And then they get into that extended play in and they get matched up with a favorable matchup in the Arizona coyotes. And they just can't hang with the coyotes in the playoffs. Then comes the Carolina hurricanes. And I will say in that series, the hurricanes were a really strong team last year. And they still are. They're going to be a strong team for many years to come. Nashville took it to six games against Carolina and they, they could have won some of the games that they lost. I felt like maybe not the first two games, but game five and game six, they put themselves in a position to win. I think that got a lot of people excited. And then this year, absolutely overperforming expectations. Sure. They barely snuck into the playoffs, but this was a team a lot of people thought would be fighting for a lottery spot. And you know, he got that team to the playoffs, 240 goal scorers, Vezina Trophy finalist, Norris Trophy finalist, and they get swept by the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I, I want to relate this in a sense to what's going on in the NHL world now. Nashville played a much more physical style of hockey all year. And when you set up against a team like the Colorado Avalanche that are as fast as they are, talked about it, you, you can't contain that. When you have four lines of speed versus maybe two lines of speed and two lines of grit, it doesn't balance out well. And I look at Abigail with the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. Calgary, very rough and tough hockey team. You go play the Oilers, which are – four lines of speed and Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid and you get beat and you're out of the playoffs. Now Edmonton's going to the Western conference finals. I I'm going to be interested to see what Poyle does with John Hines. Um, I feel like if things sputter out of the gate, there's a short leash there. We saw that in New Jersey. Hines took a team in the New Jersey devils that were not necessarily as highly rated, got him into the playoffs, had the league MVP in Taylor hall. And then the next year, he's out the door uh, after a really slow start. I, I, if he does well, okay, you know, maybe it was worth holding on to, but I'm 50 50 and I really don't know what to expect. I'm just kind of hoping there's a short leash if there's a little bit of sputtering out of the gate. I think what you're talking about with there being like a short leash, I think that's evident in this because like you said, we do know that general manager David Poyle is very, very loyal. Um, that's there's nothing to argue about there. So going back to the short leash part of it, it is only two years. And I know we've talked about getting a different head coach into this franchise, but reality is it is only two years and I think this fan base has suffered enough of being just average and pushing at just that they've been satisfied with it that a two year is better than a five year even a three year because that gives you the chance to say okay and I'll go into this too Poyle took a lot of accountability Um, he announced the two-year extension of 
of, excuse me, Heinz and his coaching staff. He said he believed that they are the right group to lead the team back to contention. And he said that he will provide the correct quote tools to succeed. He mentioned a lot during that last press conference that he did not give Heinz and his team what they needed to be successful. He said that Heinz was coming in with bad circumstances, which he did take over for Laviolette in that 2020 season or 2019-2020 season and was kind of just thrown into it. And then obviously COVID and the pandemic. So it has been weird. I will give him that. And I don't even necessarily think he's a bad coach. I personally think he's very like, modernized he is understanding where the league and the world are changing and I really like that he's been very vocal about that since the beginning he's also very kind very like well respectable um uh super nice guy but I I don't have a problem with this coaching I think he does make some weird questionable decisions there's no doubt about that (laughs) Luke Cunning however it is just two years you do another trial if you will if it doesn't work he's out What happens at that point, I don't know, but I will say it all goes back to those tools that Poyle is talking about giving to Heinz and company. It's, is Forsberg going to come back? Who are you going to go after if not? And he said, you know, if we don't, if Forsberg walks, we have plans B through D already sorted out. But you also have to be super careful about how you navigate through that in case, you know, Forsberg accidentally gets wind of, oh, I hit Johnny Gaudreau is like, um, why is your general manager calling me? You know, totally joking there. But like, I'm sure that's a scenario that's not uncommon. So going back to the tools, that's just one example of where everything is going to come down to for the future of this franchise under Hines and even without if he ends up leaving in two years. I do not know. But I will say I was very impressed with Coach Hines because he took a minute after the group presser, if you will, and was doing some one-on-ones and he was like very clear that he wanted nothing but communication um, and transparency between him and his, his, um, his roster. I want to know what you want to work on, what you're doing. I want to keep accountability of that. But really, I want to know how can we help you if that's going to be something that we can do internally or if that's something that we can do externally, which I thought was interesting because I was curious for the external and internal part. Does that mean changing systems around or lines or are you talking about, you know, enhancing the roster with different roster moves? But one quote that stuck out to me from Hines was you got he's referencing that he's talking to his team uh, post game four and says, you guys had a great year, but how do you get 1% better? We have to have communication in the summer. How do we get better? How can they be better drivers? For me, the most important thing is communication. So he's very aware of, you know, it doesn't stop. Other guys are still playing right now and they're not. So what are you going to do? There is such a huge gap that we saw. What are you going to do between now and October to set yourself apart? Because those he like he said that he likes to break the season down into like 20 different segments which I thought was super interesting but it's how do you take this season where you saw a lot of uh youth as well he's mentioned so many times that you know an 82 game season is absolutely unlike anything else it's not he said talk to players and he was like the biggest difference is an AHL to NHL it's NHL to postseason which I thought was pretty crazy but makes sense how do you make sure when the season ends 
you are ready and ready to rumba and you've got 20 games left in you plus some for playoffs because that's whenever your momentum is going to come from. And so I, I feel indifferent overall going back to my opinion because it's a two-year. I wouldn't have been surprised seeing a different head coach and especially with Carl Taylor. He could walk away. And that would be a huge loss to this franchise. The Admirals have had so much success and they've been so much fun to watch. And especially even though the Preds season has ended early, you still get to watch the Milwaukee Admirals and they've been amazing. You even got to see just a hint of Carl Taylor and what he could do in the NHL going back into this regular season against, ironically enough, the Colorado Avalanche, where I believe it was a final score of four to one, but I could just be making that up. I know they won, but I'm, I'm very interested to see how it's going to go, but I think it all comes down to what different changes are going to be made into this roster. And Hines said he does talk with Poyle a lot. They do um, assess each player, and he's kind of like they bounce thoughts off of one another. And it's not just a matter of do we have money to spend and is this a good player? So I'm just going to throw a name. That's what it is realistic. Nathan McKinnon is a great player, but does he fit the Nashville Predators system? And if the answer is no, we don't want him is essentially how I took that. So I'm very interested to see what's next. And unfortunately, fortunately for them, it all comes down to what's going to happen in this summer. And there's, there's a few dates to keep in mind. Like there's the NHL draft in Montreal from July 7th to the 8th. And then free, free agency opens at 11 a.m. Central time, July 13th. I mean, there's, there's a lot that's coming up. I can post a full sheet later. So Yeah, and, and I think you talked about the tools. I know you were there for the press conference. And one of the key stats, and I actually saw Peyton Turnage, shout out to him. He quote tweeted this. Nashville currently has a lot of cap space available. And by a lot of cap space available, I am telling you that the Nashville Predators are about $3 million below the cap floor. Now, we all talk about the cap ceiling with the Tampa Bay Lightning and what they hit a couple years ago. Folks, you have to meet a minimum salary in the NHL. And the Preds are $3 million below that. They currently, when you look at the numbers, have $24.4 million of cap space to play with. Now, Phil Forsberg is the big fish. He's definitely the big tool that you need to make this team go. And... I think you, I'll let you touch on it quickly before I keep going, Abigail. You saw a quote tweet from Justin about this, and I think you maybe heard it too about the Forsberg deal. And I wanted you to mention that quickly. Yeah, he said um, with Forsberg, he had a plan like B through D. But also, when it comes to Forsberg's deal, he essentially said he has everything but a number and a signature which are arguably enough the most important parts of it. But I heard something about um, a no trade movement clause and I believe it was two other things. I can find that tweet and put it on our page as well. But it sounds like they have some details put together, which is of course comforting, but at the end of the day, there's not a deal signed. So really that means nothing. Yeah, like you said, it means nothing until the paper's signed, but there is some positives there. I mean, that they are working on something now. Aside from Phil's Porsberg, there's some big name free agents that the Preds have. Luke Cunnan's an RFA, restricted free agent. I don't really see that happening still, <laughs> them tendering a deal. Rocco Grimaldi, 
kind of an up-and-down player? Do they keep him? John Hines really hasn't favored Grimaldi at all. Cody Glass is an RFA who really stepped up when he got a chance in the lineup. I expect him to stay. David Ferentz, uh, one of their top defensive prospects, I would expect to sign back. Jeremy Lazon. I know Poyle has spoken very highly about keeping Lazon in the lineup for the long term. I thought once he got playing well, got a, you know into the lineup and playing really well, uh, he's a great player for this team. Same with Jeremy Davies. And then for many people who don't know, Jakob Trennan is an RFA. I expect him to stay around. In terms of the UFAs, not so much um, outside of Forsberg. Nick Cousins, I expect him to probably be gone. Riddick, definitely I wouldn't see him back. Matt Benning, because there's so many young prospects in the defensive system that they don't really have to worry about it. But when you look at some of the free agents who are out there right now in the NHL and with that cap space, obviously Johnny Gaudreau, with they're talking about the money that he's going to get, there's no way. But I'm looking at some realistic names. Andre Palat of the Tampa Bay Lightning. That could be a player that I could see fitting this system. And you pair him with like a Philip Forsberg or a Matt Duchesne. He had great years with the Tampa Bay Lightning and still a key player. Riley Smith of the Vegas Golden Knights, one of those misfits that actually turned out to be a pretty good depth scorer. Andre Burakovsky of the Colorado Avalanche. He's been a solid player. Vincent Trocheck, Carolina. There's a lot of guys that you could maybe get on some reasonable deals that can fit the Nashville system. I know Boyd Farish and I talked about um, Max Domi. He's a gritty player, but can score some goals. He's got a lot of speed. He reminds me a lot of Tanner Janot in, in that sense. You know, we've even heard the name Phil Kessel for a short-term deal, a guy that still has a shot is a heck of a power play player. There's a lot of options there for Nashville. I don't think they're just going to spend it all on big names. Like you said, they're going to pick and choose who they want. But there's guys that could boost this roster to the next level to still be competitive and make that jump back to where we were a couple years ago in the playoffs. And I think it takes keeping Forsberg around, but putting those pieces around like we were saying last week. That's the thing is I also think that the management really wants to do speed they're lacking in speed so they want fresh new legs I laughed whenever you said Phil Kessel because I <laughs> can't imagine a world where Phil Kessel is wearing gold and blue but very low chance <laughs> I can't imagine it it's kind of funny to think of maybe when I play chill later I'll make I feel like you can make trades in chill can't you yes <laughs> okay, great. maybe that's gonna be on the to-do list just to like test out what what lines I think would be uh most beneficial to him and maybe the Predators can score an odd chance a power play goal whenever I'm in whenever I'm in charge but anyways realistically thinking um yeah I mean you do have to be realistic about numbers I I do want to say I'm very hopeful that Forsberg returns as a Nashville Predator but still it's that weird limbo and it's I'll, I'll quit talking about it after today, but it's so weird because you've got both sides saying I want Forsberg and Forsberg wants Forsberg wants us. But at the end of the day, there's nothing signed. There's nothing that's been announced. Obviously, that can't happen now for a minute, but that was never done. And it we don't hear inside changes every day. 
And so it is up in the air at the same time. Um, but as far as going back to like a cap space and salary and whatnot, Poyle the other day was like, you know, I tell Heinz, your job is day to day. Management's job is three to five years time. And he mentioned if the Nashville Predators still had Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Ellis, they would not have any room to sign Philip Forsberg. So I think it's interesting to look at it from that perspective, because, you know, that's something that even Forsberg was very upset about and vocal about as well with the loss of Victor Arvidsson. And I know I've heard people say I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in L.A. and he was reunited with Victor Arvidsson. Is that off the table? No, because he's not a Nashville Predator right now. He's kind of just Philip Forsberg waiting to be signed, you know, but there's there's so many questions that we can have and I could go on all day because I love nothing more than being able to go down a rabbit hole until I get frustrated when I don't have a solution about something which is exactly what we're doing here but there are a lot of names that are coming up um even like you know Cole Smith Tommy uh Tommy Novak Matt Luff but as far as whenever you were talking about David Reddick, I don't think he's coming back. I think they kind of said that without saying it in the press conference. Bless their hearts the other day. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Connor Ingram stuck around a little bit longer. And I'm very interested to see how UC Soros kind of comes back into his role as a starter because he mentioned that he accidentally used the word break, but he went back and clarified that it wasn't broken. But he said it was an injury that, you know, when it happens, there's not really a risk of it happening again. But I would imagine there would be a little bit of fear coming from that because he said he just awkwardly landed on his leg and it was doing something he does daily. He does during practices. He was going to go block the post to get the blind side and he just happened to go down wrong. He did say he had come back and he was skating, but still I would have to imagine getting an injury and especially with it coming at the time that it did, it's a little bit sore on your mind and you're thinking about it a little much. So there's, there's a ton of questions that are up in the air. Um, I love, and I hate that. And I will say I am hopeful for the future of the national predators. And I hope that they get some sort of change. I don't care what sort of change it has to be. If this team wants to, dump then dump and commit to it this fan base is so tired of going through what five years now of the same exact result either commit to something or don't personally and I feel like they've committed now to honestly going all in again it's what it sounds like you talk about that term competitive rebuild is what they say but I I don't think there is such thing. You've either got to be competitive or you got to be in a rebuild. And I think they're more on the competitive side because this is the market that's focused on teams that win now. You know, they're in that win now mentality. You know, when the Preds were struggling, attendance went way down in the same way. You know, Nashville SC riding that high of being on such a good streak when they play at home. We'll talk about them in a minute. I think for the Preds, they have to compete and they have the tools to do it. I think they've got to add to though. Is it, you know, I don't think it's on the defensive side because you've got so many great prospects there. You've got great leaders in Yossi and Eckholm and Dante Fabro and who can step up a little bit at Carrier, who's going to get better and better. I think they need some assurance on that third pairing though for next year but you have to get some offensive depth in there. 
you know, you have to get guys that are going to be key contributors. And, and I think there's some pieces, whether it's one or two, or maybe more than that, we'll see. But you, you've got to find, if you're going to compete, you're going to have to be, build on the speed. You can't go back to the old NHL, which was kind of the downfall of the Anaheim Ducks. They stuck in that gritty mentality game for so long. They're now slowly climbing their way out of the rabbit hole with guys like Trevor Zegers finally. And so for Nashville, I think they got to stop while they can. Sure, you need some grit in there like Tanner, Janot, and Trenton are, but they have speed. You can't be putting Michael McCarron out there against the Colorado Avalanche. I'm sorry, but you can't be doing that. You got to get a guy like a, a Max Domi in there that can keep up with those players and make an impact night in and night out on the team. And, and that leads me to a question I'd ask you if you looked at the free agents list, which I'm pretty sure you have, who's one guy you'd want in the Preds jersey, Abigail? Obviously, first of all, it's going to be Philip Forsberg. But I'm assuming Definitely. you're wanting me to suck it up and act like he's, you know, signed a deal with Las or not Las Vegas, with um, Los Angeles or with Colorado, as I'm assuming what you're asking me right now. Well, I mean, if Forsberg stays, just keep that in mind. Like, oh, okay. say he stays, say he stays, but still somebody in addition to Philip Forsberg. Who would you? Who would you? I'm like a half glass full POV. Here I am going half glass empty, and I'm saying Forsberg's got the boot. Well, I guess he wouldn't have the boot because Nashville's cowboy boots. Anyways, I won't get into that. I got made fun of and told I was a walking billboard whenever <laughs> I went on the, the last show of ESPN. Sorry you had to miss that being at National Soccer Club. Yeah. Hey, uh, they won, though. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That one, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure exactly. I don't know that I can give you a solid answer just because there's just so many ifs. I mean, from you, like even like looking, like if you take away Yakov Trenin, I'm going to have a completely different answer for you whenever you're talking about like the support system, but I will say, what do you think about, I'm going to answer your question with another question that's unrelated. What do you think about rumors of Johansson being out? If they trade Johansson after the year that he had, I'm going to have some questions. Now, I, I think if this is a question last year, I could see it, but Ryan Johansson maybe had one of his best years in a Preds jersey. And, and I will be honest, I am a Joey fan. I, I love Ryan Johansson, both on and off the ice as a player. But he really stepped up this year. I'll give him that. He was creating plays. He scored goals. He was looking a lot better. Now, I get it. It's $8 million on the cap for him. But cap money isn't the issue. And if you want a guy that's a personality and a leader still in this team, you best believe Ryan Johansson to still be around. Now, I know Matt Duchesne had the year that we all wanted, you know, that we had been waiting for. But quietly, Joey had such a good season that I would say it's a mistake to trade him because I feel like what's going to happen is you got Johansson back on a high again. Mm -hmm. He's going to turn into what he was as a youngster in Columbus when he was scoring 30 goals. And you're going to regret that trade. I don't think he's going to get traded. I don't see a team also even willing to take on that full $8 million 
So I feel like that'd be something you'd have to eat the cap of. I don't see Joey going anywhere. Not, not this off season, at least not at all. Well, just to make you mad, I'm going to say that my answer is now Matthew Kachuk. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. Are you about to forgive him? If Matthew Kachuk ended up in a Preds jersey, it's like, it's like it's like he's one of those pests that you hate to play against, but if you have him on your lineup, you wouldn't <laughs> mind it. I don't know, though. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't deal with Matthew Kachuk, probably. Oh, gosh. If I had a Kachuk jersey, that would be something. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean – Matthew Kachuk, he's a heck of a player. I'll give him that. There's nothing. There's nothing about his skill. It's just he's very, very annoying. I mean, he's the rat. They call him Chucky for a reason. Um, My but, rat is only listed for Brad Marchand, though. That's true. It, it could be worse with Marchand. Kachuk at least scores some goals, and so does Marchand. But I mean, he doesn't lick people in the face. I'd rather have someone that hits than that's true and scores. Team. That's disgusting. Uh, I will say also Kevin Fiala is on this list. Have a reunited. And I want to say I saw Radulov as well. But I do like the name of Burkowski or Trocek coming on. Um, realistically, don't know. Dami, I'm not opposed to. But um, with Brock from the Vancouver Canucks, I would not be opposed. Yeah, there's some good RFAs. I mean, yes, you're going to have to pay a premium for some of these guys, which RFA is a whole different market. But if you're going to win, you might have to go after it. This is the thing about Calgary. You bring up Kachuk. You've got Kachuk in a contract year, and you've got Goudreau in a contract year. Mm -hmm. What are the Flames going to do? I mean, because it looks like with Calgary's projected cap space. Now, keep in mind, Calgary is below Nashville, and they have. I'm looking at it. They twenty six about twenty seven million cap, so they can they can do that realistically. Now, Johnny Gaudreau wants apparently around ten million. Get out. So that, something like that. I I really like the idea of Domi. Max Domi would be a heck of a player. Burkowski's another one, six foot three. I mean, and he can move. Yeah. Heck, even Nazim Nazim Kadri is out there, especially after the years he's had in, had in Colorado. I like Palat. Again, that's my Tampa side coming out. But I wouldn't be opposed to Trocheck or even Riley Smith. Riley Smith has played really well in Vegas, and he could now, no pun intended, with the names. He could be like that Craig Smith, who could be your reliable 20-goal scorer. You watch your mouth this. speak about Craig Smith. I, I'm just saying. I, I see <laughs> it there at least. But probably I had to give you a couple. It, it would be Trocek would be one. And then um, probably Domi would be my other one. And if we want to go all in, let's go for an RFA. But those two would be my two with Palat being kind of an underdog on that one. So just to even strike some tension, I guess, going to stick with the Ryans. How do you feel about um, Ryan Getzloff or maybe John Klingberg? 
Getzlav, I mean, if you want a leader, if you want a leader yeah. on this team, I have a lot of respect for Getzlav. I mean, he's now, I think he, is he retiring? I, I think he is. I can't remember. I know Dustin Brown's yeah, retiring. I want to sure. I want to say that I've heard, seen that, but I also consume way too much and also nothing at the same time. So I couldn't tell you. Yeah, he is retiring. Okay, I remember that now. He's retiring. Now, John Klingberg, that's an interesting one. Now you got me through a list, just going through names. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to sign Braden Holtby. Callie Yarnko is back on back on the chopping block. Kyle Turris, Rocco Grimaldi, which we talked about. James Neal. Don't get me started on James Neal. It doesn't make me happy. (laughs) I would, I would, if Klingberg's out there now, this was my thing. I saw someone tweet this, and I thought it was funny. It was re-sign Forsberg, trade for William Nylander, sign P.K. Subban to the veteran minimum or something like that, and go win the cup. I, I, I don't know what the tweet was. No. Klingberg is such a dynamic player, like, and he wants out of Dallas. He's He's been vocal about that, that he wants out of Dallas. So, okay, so uh, going talking about getting out of Dallas – how much do you have to sit down and convince a player to say, yeah, come get your boots on. Let's go yeehaw and play yeah. for natural predators. I mean, that's something that I would love to learn more and like be a fly on the wall and just be like a ghost essentially and be like, okay, how do you sell me the Nashville dream? Matt Duchesne was all in. He was ready to get his honky tonk oh. on and ready to go. However, not a lot of people want to like stick around. Like I'm thinking from the fan base side, like it's really just been a flat line. I don't want to say flat line because it's not like, I don't mean in the sense of dead, like they're in the Valley and they're in that consistent flat spot is more so what I mean. So how do you convince a player whose dream is to win the Stanley cup and you say this, we're bringing you on. We want to bring you on and we're going to win. How, does it go into like the ego side of it? And they're like, I'm going to be the one that does it. They put like their hero, the cape on, or are they like, you know, okay, cool. So this is where you lack. Who are you bringing in? Who are you bringing right. up? Who's getting the boot? So I'm very interested to talk about like, or to hear about that side of it, which I know is probably never going to happen. Maybe I'll switch and I'm going to change my major in my senior year and I'm going to go do coaching and I'll be the next, I'll be the first female head coach. I don't know. We'll see. No, but to continue on after that one, um, Klinberg, I think would be a tough pay, but there's a guy, if you're going to go defensive and go get a, another solid defensive player, maybe somebody that can play in your top four, mm-hmm. I, I would make a trade and I'd be willing to give up some decent assets to go get Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. Who are you thinking? That was a guy that was a guy that was highly rumored to be moved at the deadline and he wasn't. He wanted that chance to go play for a competitor or team at least in the playoffs. Chikrin's a top four defenseman. He's actually the Coyotes probably their best defenseman. His cap hit is 4.6 million. And he's got three years left on that deal. If I'm David Poyle and I have the opportunity to go for another two-way defenseman who can actually put some offense up like Yossi, I'm going to give what I can to the Coyotes because they're looking to rebuild. And I would take Jacob Chikrin at any moment. He's 24 years old. 
Like, we're talking about the youth movement here. He'll be 27 at the end of that contract. Like, you could still make some things happen. He is a quality player that I would take take the chance on. And if you could put him either with Yossi or Ekholm, I don't, I don't know. It gives a little bit of pressure off Carrier or Dante Favreau for a little bit. Which they need. Which they need. And it really shores up that defense again for yeah. me. Because you could keep Lazan around still. And talk about this for a defensive lineup. Roman Yossi, Jacob Chikrin, Matthias Ekholm, Alexander Carrier, Dante Fabro, Jeremy Lazan. I'd roll that out any night. So I think that could be someone, if you really want to look at the defensive side, I'd be willing to make a move for and go for Jacob Chikrin right now, especially at that contract. I don't think it's off the table just because obviously this team is not in contention and both sides of the ice still need help. Like there's still been plenty of times where Saros has been left out to draw defensively. Um, and then even the transition game hasn't always been that great. You see, uh, excuse me, not you see Saros. Romeo probably not going to get close to hitting a hundred points this season either. So having two way that's going to be able to handle and manage it as well, give a little break to the younger defensemen as well. And everyone knows that the third pairing of the defensive pairing has got to have some change. Um, not looking too great. I mean, Ben Harper is a national predator for a little bit too long and a little bit on that roster for a little bit too long. So with that, um, bringing in somebody I don't think is, a, is something that I would be opposed to by any means, but goal scoring and speed has to be up to par. And then even just talking about the reg- the normal everyday night roster has to learn discipline. There's such a big difference between like the fighting majors can go down. I'm pretty sure they led the NHL for that. Um, but also just the lazy, stupid penalties, tripping, whatnot. Speed up. Don't get beat. Get faster. That's easy for me to say. I don't ha- I hate running. So I'm sure that goes like skating's hard, whatever. But anyways, not something that I can do, but it's, I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to do it either. So, you know, pick it up. And I think overall the hustle, the mentality, the identity that they think that they have, that they say that they have, I think that we've seen glimpses of it. However, the lazy penalties have to stop because obviously being shorthanded is not very helpful. The Colorado Avalanche told you that within five seconds of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the first round at that. But Someone who's moved past the first round and has a winning record, five wins, four losses, four draws, 19 points, finished up a heavy season playing their sport in May, um, and then about to move on. They're going through um, the U.S. Open Cup as well. Just had a big victory, a long night as well this last Wednesday, which you were there, so I want to talk about that as well. Nashville Soccer Club. They are about to go face off against Colorado Rapids, in their last match before they hit the international break. And they just had a heck of a month of May. Um, there's just, well, I'm going to go to the U.S. Open Cup. Obviously, they played against Atlanta United at home, the first their first matchup. And then they faced off um, also against Louisville on the 25th. So they won, and it was a nail-biter. What did you think overall 
even just not even it doesn't even have to be with that game if you want to go back to the big rain delay um i'm all ears so i mean there was quite a few games um since we last talked they played houston on the road unfortunately lost that one but you had a wednesday saturday stretch there with the um with um i think it was montreal they played big win against montreal two to one handy book mctar scored and um beautiful goal by him i've even got to say moyle's strike was absolutely amazing in that game the atlanta game i do want to touch on because shout out to the roadies i mean unbelievable keeping that atmosphere going it was a thirty thousand one hundred nine sellout and you get 19 minutes into that game and they have a lightning delay and it's you see lightning through the sky and you're like, okay, there's no way they're getting this back going. But the roadies kept it going and going and going and people were filing out. And they finally said at 945 warmups will start and at 10 o'clock we're playing this game. And while there may have been only like 5,000 people left at that point or maybe a few more it felt like that stadium was full because they were, they were keeping the party going and it ended up being a two to two draw and a great game for what you waited for Atlanta and Nashville is going to be a fantastic rivalry for years to come. Um, CJ Sapong and Hanny Mukhtar once again, scoring, but that Louisville game, I mean, Louisville credit to them. They should probably be an MLS team at this point. They have a great fan base. They have a great team. No MLS team, I believe, has won in that stadium since it opened, was what I saw. And once again, Iloba with a goal to tie it up and then some Mukhtar magic there in the late goings in the 89th minute. And they're on to the round of eight. He is on fire right now. And, And that's what they need. They need that player that was the MVP candidate last year to keep scoring goals like this. And, um, a huge win for this team to move to the round of the eight in a cup competition and continue their strong form here. And, you know, they got matched up against Orlando. It's unfortunate that it's not in Geodis because I was really looking forward to having that. And there's still a chance they got to beat Orlando first, who's a pretty good side. They're three games away from potentially winning their first silverware as a team. And there's a lot of good players on that roster they're licking their chops to go for it. But it's sad because we don't have any home games for a while here. And, you know, it's been such a great run. May was awesome. And I think it's only going to get better because, you know, some good teams are starting to come in that you'll see. Uh, you're going to have LAFC, who's one of the best teams in the MLS, going to run through here. Um, you'll have LA Galaxy coming through Portland, Toronto. There's some good teams coming through. And I just can't wait to see what this run, now that they're settled at Geodis, how they're going to play the rest of this year. And I've got to say, those new jerseys they unveiled at Abigail, oh, my gosh, those things are beautiful. They're stunning. (laughs) Absolutely stunning. And I'm still wrapping my mind around the concept of soccer uniforms being, you know, their sponsor on the front of their, on the front of their kit, if you will. Um, so I'm still getting used to that, but the colors, the aesthetic is perfect. You think of boho meets beach chic, and that's exactly what I think. Like very tropical esque. I love the gray. I'm a sucker for a color, the the gray color, and then like the peachy tone is beautiful. Um, so yeah, we're 
definitely interested in that. But yeah, I mean, they're coming into after they played this match against Colorado, which for Colorado, it's the first match between Nashville and Colorado in with their entry into Major League Soccer. But it's also um, head coach Gary Smith's return to Colorado, where he coached the Rapids from 2008 to 2011, where he also won an MLS Cup in 2010. So he says that the squad's ready to go for a tough encounter in his old stomping ground, that they're in good shape, good health, and looking forward to a real challenge somewhere that he hasn't been in 11 or 12 years. And I feel like Colorado is just a hot topic for Nashville right now. Um, So they'll go into a two-week international break following this. And then in June, set on the schedule right now, they've got three MLS regular season matches and then the U.S. Open Cup on the 29th of June against Orlando. So a lot, but also taking a break into that point. And we have question talking about that in a little bit. So we'll have to get to that in a bit. But it's it's been a good season. I do think that they're settling down into the palace. Um, Mukhtar Magic is unreal. They've I'm pretty sure that they have yet to lose a match where Mukhtar has scored. I could be wrong, but to the last of my knowledge, that is that was true. Um, but I mean, it's just it's so beautiful. I still can't get over it. People, I got asked about it today, and I'm like, it's the best place that I've ever been to. The energy is unreal. I unfortunately, I say I wasn't. I was fortunate to not be able to go to that late night match because my bedtime's at nine o'clock. And so I couldn't have waited until 10 o'clock for a kickoff, but it was unreal. Everybody that was still there. Like, it's just amazing. I love how loyal the fan base is and how much they're ready to have a good time. And obviously there's some other circumstances where, you know, you can't be there and that's absolutely fine. I'm not, I don't think anybody has the right to doggy for that, which I know some people did. So this is me giving you a slap on the wrist if you did. However, it's an amazing game to watch. I definitely think you should get out, go see the venue, take a day. Um, and I'm excited for what's to come for them. I mean, they've got a good set left in them to go even from the U.S. Open Cup, but also just in their season where they go to find the MLS Open, or excuse me, the MLS Championship as well. A big one coming up. And then they get it a two-week break, quote-unquote. Some people won't, aka Walker Zimmerman is a singular name for that one. Um, But I will, if you are ready, I would love to answer our two questions that we are so fond to answer. Um, First off, from my man Jordan, and that's J-E-G-C-3-2-1 is the user handle. If you could choose one defunct, I guess that's how you say it, but not existing Nashville sports franchise to bring back to life, which one would you choose? I'll rest my typing fingers and listen. So when he asked this, (laughs) I had to like do some Google research for a minute to see how many teams there actually were. And there's a couple that came to mind and, and one was actually a soccer team and like a really lower league called the Nashville Metros, but um, it's got to be the Nashville Cats. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. AFL Arena Football. Never forget the days of the Nashville Cats playing in the um, in the then Gaylord Entertainment Center, um, which was pretty funny. Um, you think about the Nashville Venom, but I, I, it would have to be bring Arena Football back to Nashville, um, and it would be the Nashville Cats that I'd bring back. I don't know about you, but it was kind of hard because I didn't know how many there actually were <laughs> at the time. So, uh, but definitely the cats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I kind of 
don't really have a lot that pop into mind. But with that, I'm going to go back on my looking at something. I think earlier I was negative about something. So now I'm going to be positive about something. And I'm looking at it with like a half glass full type of vibe. I would love to see Major League Baseball in Nashville. So Nashville stars are going to be my answer, even though it's not actually the question. So Jordan, you can be mad at me. I don't care. True blue. Yeehaw. However, I would love to see Major League Baseball coming back up. But at the same time, I would understand where there's hesitation. I mean, just even talking from the marketing aspect, um, you do have Nashville Major League Sports, but you also do have the Nashville Sounds that may or may not do as well. But that also goes back to the game of baseball itself. The Major League Baseball doesn't have a big fan base for like people our age, like the Gen Z generation. There's just not a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, I do this daily. Like I'm a baseball fan. I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, but I live four hours away. I go to a game maybe once or twice in, a, in the season. So there's also just a lot of different marketing points that I think you have to hit, but Nashville sports with has do have that. Huh. Anyways, we're going to cut that part out. Nashville sports has a lot of loyalty surrounding it. No one thought that we, that Nashville could have a soccer team and they do, and they've created something beautiful. Do I think that that can be exactly um, taken and flipped into baseball? No, I do not. I think there was a lot of extra passion and just so much that went into that. I think there was a much bigger demand for it. However, I think that they can do something and still be successful bringing a major league baseball team. I wouldn't, I don't know that I could say I would turn my loyalty from Atlanta Braves to Nashville, whatever, but you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind, you know, going to a game, you know, but so yeah, that's how I'm going to look at that is I'm going to look at the half glass full and bringing a Nashville um, MLB team. Yeah, and they've talked about baseball, too. And, you know, obviously, I think the sounds would have to basically either relocate or dissolve at that point with an MLB team. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to a Tampa Bay Rays game uh, later this year in Tampa that I'm looking forward to. And I've been wanting to get down to Atlanta, see the Braves for sure. But they've even talked about, like, the SEC baseball turn coming up to Nashville and playing under First Horizon or whatever it is now. And and that would be absolutely incredible considering how both baseball teams from the state and the college are pretty good. I mean, they're pretty good baseball teams. Um, I, I would love to see the MLB in Nashville. I think, you know, I go back to it being a racing fan and stuff, and I love seeing the NASCAR races and the Indy car races. And when they took those away from the city, it, it was tough. And you've got them both back. You've got all three levels of the NASCAR here. And you've got IndyCar running through the streets of downtown Nashville. Like, does it get any better than that? And I'm really looking forward to that and might talk about that some in an August episode. But I think baseball would definitely be the sport that needs to come here if they're going to do something because the Grizzlies are doing super well at Memphis. Sure, it'd be awesome if they had a couple games in Nashville here and there to bring the fan base in, see John Morant playing. But I think Nashville – it would be something to see what happens now that you have a pro hockey team, a pro football team, a pro soccer team, and a pro baseball team. You have all the major sports. What does that do for this market? I, I would love to see baseball here. I think there's some big names that are backing it if it happens. Um, but I, I'd agree with you on that. 
I, I think baseball would be the prime sport to put here to put it on the other side of Jordan's question of a team that if you could bring them to life, yeah. that would be what it would be. I would love to, maybe they'll do that here soon and I can hop on their marketing team. I'll let you know how to, I'll let you know how to get the Gen's ears. But moving <laughs> to another question from Dwayne uh, Harden Science is the handle on Twitter. What about the state of rest and what is needed in order to, in order to get back out into proper form? And at first my mind was thinking Preds with the off season, but we're talking Nashville soccer club. So we're talking soccer. Um, I, I think they've got a lot coming up, but at the same time, you could argue that there's also nothing coming up. They have a big, obviously the big matchup against Colorado, and then they can breathe a little bit with having the two week international break. But here's the thing also is with that international break that came on earlier in the season, which was just um, a week long, it didn't end on a good note. And the players were like, I want to play tomorrow. If you told me to go put my cleats on and walk back out on the field, I would go play and I'd play my heart out because I'm not happy with this performance. But at the same time, it was they also took that as an opportunity to say, okay, let's figure out what we did wrong. And bam, 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 we fix it, turn it around, bounce back. And so I think it's really important how they go out, or excuse me, I guess into the international break following the match against the Rapids. Some are still going to get some playing time um, with the international break coming up. However, there's not a lot that's set up in June. I believe that was for a reason to place in more games for the Open Cup, but I could be wrong. Obviously, that game's on the 29th that is set. But as of right now in June, they're playing on the 11th, the 19th, the 25th, and the 29th. I have no doubt in my mind that this team is very disciplined there. I look at them completely different than I would like the Nashville Predators. Um, sorry, not sorry. I guess that can be my labeled hot topic, uh, whatever. But I think they, I think they know what they're doing. They were able to go successful through that beginning eight match road trip. And I think that I feel like that was the hardest part for this team was to go through. And they, they knocked it out of the park. The first chance that they could get, they were like, okay, eight games out the window Then we're going to, we're going to start the palace. And they were able to be successful throughout those eight matches. So I think what they're doing is just fine to be into proper form. Um, But, you know, practice never hurts. Yeah, and I agree. Like you, you look at how they started this year. They're on the road for the first two and a half months, playing some good teams, good sides up there. They got the big win out of the gate against Seattle. March was a bit of a struggle. April, they started to get it back together little by little, and then they hit May, and they're at home, and they're basically unstoppable at home. Um, I think now that they're going to have home games mixed in there finally some more they're going to be in good shape I I really believe that Gary Smith knows what he's doing with management he's got great players on that team that he can bring off the bench that can start or come and or rotate and they're normally starters but can come off the bench I look at Dax McCarty quite a bit he's played both roles for Nashville SC Walker Zimmerman's your anchor in the back with Dave Romney as well they have Mukhtar finally heating up at the right time. I think even CJ Sapong looking a little bit more comfortable now and starting to score some big goals for the team. He's my favorite. They, 
he is awesome. And I mean, seeing him with his kids after the game is like one of the best heartwarming moments that you could see. And and I think even Zubak, I mean, he's kind of a quiet player on there. Once they get Randall Leal back, I know he's been out injured for a little bit. Yeah. They'll be all right. Randall's a big key part of that lineup. And I have no doubts that once everybody's fully fit and ready to go, they got a uh, goodie back as well. Um, they're, they're in really good shape and now having home games into there and they'll have tougher games. They'll get another chance against the galaxy. They get to play LAFC, which will be a big test. That's the top of your conference right there. Dallas is in there. Austin is in there. If this team at home can make stands against some of the best teams in the MLS, watch out. That's all I'm going to say. You're going to have to watch out for this team come playoff time. They're in the playoff picture right now in that sixth seed. And you say, oh, the sixth seed, like that's a little bit mid-table right now that, you know, they're kind of holding on in the conference. Well, if you look at it, a little bit of a change in form or a dip in form from the teams above them, they're three points out of third place with Dallas. Yeah, Austin's got at 24, so they're just a little bit above LA's being LA right now. I mean, they've dipped a little bit at 26. They're only seven points out of the top. They can make something happen with this team. And they're not full of stars. I know the big deal with Lionel Messi is coming to the MLS <laughs> uh, with, with David Beckham's inner Miami. There's been rumors Gareth Bale is going to come over to as well. And it's five to four on any MLS team. Hey, Nashville, let's go maybe bring Gareth Bale in. Um, but with these guys that aren't necessarily international stars, they've really stepped up and proved that they can hang with the best in the MLS. So I think they're going to be fine. Um, I think the international break can benefit them. Some home games are built in there as well. I really hope they end off strong against Colorado as we're recording this, because that would send them in good momentum going into the break. <laughs> of course. And then even just looking down the schedule, you were talking about ATX Houston and uh, LAFC. They're ending their season with LAFC um, with the regular season anyways, on October 9th. And then, I mean, they, with them starting with eight games away, eight matches away, they were like, you know, that means at the end of the season, when it comes crunch time, we're going to be at home. And that's when we want to be at home. So they were looking at it in a positive light as well. So I, I absolutely have my utmost faith in this team. Um, I don't have to give my, I don't feel like I have to give any guidance towards them. I think they got it going on and that just exceeds through the rest of the season as well. Um, so yeah, definitely go out to a match if you have not already and just take part in everything, but they're going to be ready to rock and roll after the, after the break. That's for sure. There might be a little bit of some rust to shake off. And I think that's going to be expected, but everybody else is also going through the same scenario. It's not just Nashville. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for the end of episode two of bleeding blue here on Pony box radio next week. Let us know if you have any questions throughout the week, whether it's Titans, if it's national soccer club, if it's Preds, if you want us to deep down, um, go even deeper down into the rabbit hole and figure out who, what, where, and money and whatnot. If you want to send me a text and say, this is when David Poyle is meeting with Philip Forsberg. Sam and I would love to take a road trip. Please send us your questions, whether it's anything sports, national sports related, if it's random. Well, that'll do it for episode two. I'm Abigail Martin. I'm Sam Fleming. And thanks for tuning in to Bleeding Blue, the Music City sports experience. <laughs>